Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? This is the Believe in Blazers podcast presented by Bet Online. I am your host, Stephen Vaughn. I am with my co-host, Tori Jones. Tori, how's it going, man? Did you have a good Christmas, good holiday season so far? Yeah, it's uh, been enjoyable. It's been nice having some days off. Three days off in between this past game and Fridays. Like, I'm just recuperating and getting a little bit fatter, unfortunately, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's tough because it's like I was hoping there'd be NBA games all the time, but at the same time, it was nice to have a couple days off, uh, you know, because I did lose a lot of money betting uh, on, on sporting events. I did. Of course yeah. you did. I mean, I did terrible. I did terrible in the NBA on Christmas Day. I mean, you know, you just go through ups and downs, but of course, when you're making those bets, Tori, you know where to go, right? You know where to go. It's bet online. Bet online, you know, and of course, basketball is back in the full swing of things. The bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contest giveaways all season long, always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing. Even golf, get anything in there. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, that is BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards, bet online where the game starts. And uh, speaking of that, Tori, I got a question for you real quick. You're a Gonzaga fan. I know that. West Coast Conference odds right now, Gonzaga minus 1,200 to win the West Coast Conference. I get St. Mary's at 5-1 to one to win the conference. Gonzaga's a little down this year, bro. I like St. Mary's. I would not trust Gonzaga. Um, Portland's looked good this year. Like, they took UNC to the buzzer in PKI. Um, the conference is deeper than people realize. And it's not going to be as easy. Like, they'll get the, uh, what, like, double buy or however their conference tournament works. But I don't trust Gonzaga this year, man. They are not as good as they've been the past five years. Maybe they figure it out, but... Um, I don't know. They their their schedules structured where they play all the tough teams at the beginning, then they play their conference play, which obviously isn't as good as the Kentuckys and the Alabamas and some of the teams, Texas, some of the teams that they've played this year. So uh, they tend to have some struggles like later on in the uh, in conference play, and then have a very scary game in the conference tournament. Usually they have the talent to still win it. I don't know if they have that talent this year. So uh, St. Mary's is a good bet, but I think it's a crapshoot. Like, I cannot rule out even Portland from from winning it all, which would be kind of cool to see. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, Shante Leggins is a great coach, man. I love that Portland program. But yeah, St. Mary's 5-1, to one, don't hate it. Another bet they got to bet online real quick here, Tori. Uh, they got some trade props on here for the NBA. Basically, if this guy gets traded, where is he getting traded to? Uh, I know you're going to love this one. Zach Levine, if he's not on the Bulls. Right now, the Knicks are the favorite, but the Blazers, fifth best odds at plus 500. How would you feel if Zach Levine was on the Portland Trail Blazers? I mean, I mean, Blazers should have the 30th best odds because Anthony Simons is younger and having a better season than him, and he's cheaper. So I don't know why in the world Portland would go after Zach Levine and with what assets they'd have to trade Simons and probably more than Simons because Zach Levine's a big name who's been an all-star before. But you look at things statistically, he hasn't been better than Ant. So yeah, no, 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 no. I've done a video on the past with Zach Levine in the thumbnail with me giving a thumbs down. So that's how I feel about that. So uh, your advice, go on Bet Online and bet on some of the other teams. The Blazers have such good odds. Can't be right. There's got to be better odds somewhere else. So uh, check that out. Bet online. Uh, love those guys over there. About Tori, let's, let's get into this. Damian Lillard became the all-time Blazy Blazy, the Blazer leading scorer um, against the Thunder on a free mm-hmm. throw, which anticlimactic, by the yes. way. I do have a very I have a beef with that. He was trying for it, like he was going for those step back threes off the pick and roll. He was trying to get one of those threes, and he just couldn't get it. Got to the rack, got a foul, anticlimactic, but whatever. Got it is the all-time leading scorer. Um, then they came back home, played Charlotte, and they had a little ceremony. Had a bunch of NBA players on there say their congratulations. Apparently, it's a big deal that Clyde Drexler didn't make a video. Um, I'm going to start out this first story because I got a problem with this. Like, I do not care even a little bit that Clyde Drexler didn't make a video. His son came out and said he called Dame personally, called Chauncey Billups personally. I wouldn't even care if he didn't do that. 
But I think that it's even more personal and better that he called him personally rather than just making some silly little video that you can put on Twitter, you can put on Instagram. Like, I like I, I compare it to this. Like, if you're my like, if I truly care about people and I want to say something to their face, I'm not gonna post it on Twitter. Like, if it's my wife's birthday or my brother's birthday, I'm not gonna say happy birthday to my brother on Twitter. I'm gonna text him or I'm gonna call him and say happy birthday. Like, I think that's what Clyde did. Clyde respects Dave, and he called him personally and congratulated him. So why does he have to come out and put out a video? Now, it doesn't matter if you think Clyde's the best player in Blazer history or Dame. I personally think it's Clyde still. I think Clyde's still slightly ahead of Dame. I think Dame will probably catch him at some point. But I think right now Clyde is the best player in Blazer history. But I saw numerous people say that Clyde can't be considered the best Blazer of all time because he didn't make a video. That is wild. And maybe I'm just really old at this point and I don't understand Tori. But the fact that he didn't make a video has nothing to do with what he accomplished on the court. Has nothing to do with that he got the Blazers to the finals. Had nothing to do with that he was a top five player in the NBA for numerous years. Was the second best shooting guard behind, oh, I don't know, the best player ever in Michael Jordan. Like, the dude was awesome. And just because he didn't make a video doesn't mean that he can't be the best player in Blazer history. I'm going to both sides of this, Steven. I don't know if that disappoints you or not. But it, does, it does a little bit. I is okay. As far as the greatest blazer ever, what exactly is a blazer? Is it just somebody that does stuff on the basketball court or is it somebody that represents being a blazer off the court as well and embraces that? Like that matters a bit to me. Obviously it's going to come down to who's the most talented blazer ever, like accomplishes the most on the court, etc. But it does matter a little bit to me if they embrace being a Portland Trailblazer, if they do good stuff in the community, like, that does play a little bit into it, and for that reason, I would say Dame is the greatest Blazer ever, because I think you can make a case for both guys on the basketball court, depending on what you value and probably when you grew up. Like, people my age are gonna lean more towards Dame. Um, so, yeah, that you can make a case for either guy on the basketball court. I just think when it comes down to it, it's close enough there that I take into account you know, Dame's embraced being a Blazer is just as quality of a role model as you can find, in my opinion. Story is super inspirational, does a lot of great stuff off the court. Like, everything else other than what they bring to the basketball court, Dame is, like, what you would want in a Blazer. So, therefore, to me, he's the greatest Blazer ever. I understand people that only take into account the stuff on the court. I understand people that take into account stuff off the court, because I do. Um... You know, it's just personal preference and maybe the definition of greatest blazer ever. What exactly is it? Uh, do you do you agree with that? Do you just take it into account what happens on the court or does the off court off the court stuff matter when you're talking uh, about that? So I think like when it comes to you're talking about the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the best plays, the best player in franchise history, it's on the court. Um, if you're talking about your favorite player, your favorite player in franchise history, that's when you could take into consideration. Yeah, Dame represents the city more, and there's no doubt about that. Like, I, there's no nobody could argue that Dame doesn't represent Portland much better than Clyde Drexler. Like, that is not even an argument. Dame has been so good in the community, uh, giving back. He has definitely, you know, put his roots down in Portland. He has houses out here. Like, he's gonna raise his kids out here, even if you know down the road he were to ask for a trade let's just say hypothetically dame's like in three years you know what i, I do want out now i want to try to go somewhere else like portland's still gonna love him he's still gonna love portland like nothing is gonna change about that but for me if i'm just talking about the best player in the history of the franchise i'm just looking on court like i trust try to say this is the guy that did it on the court like you could look at it even in like uh and this is a drastic drastic change of opinion here or uh thought but, like, the Buffalo Bills and O.J. Simpson. Like, he is a murderer, but, like, he is one of the best players in franchise history. Like, there's no doubt in that. And you could argue he's the best player in Bills history. Now, is he anybody's favorite? Probably not. But, like, so for Dame and Clyde Drexler, like, because people don't like Clyde Drexler and they don't like that he didn't make a video, doesn't mean he's not the best player in franchise history. Yeah, I mean, not because of the video, but to me, being a Blazer is more than just what happens on the basketball court. So that's how I view it. But it just comes down to how you view that. So it's not even a disagreement, really. Because um, no, you take I, I, I just had a, extra stuff. Yeah, I just had a problem with people saying that because Clyde didn't make a video, he can't be the best the best Blazer of all time. Like, I just think that is silly. I think that is that has nothing to do with anything on the court. Like, Clyde 
was awesome and led the team to the finals. Lost to Michael Jordan. Lost to Isaiah Thomas. Like, that's how good this guy was. And just because he didn't make a silly little video about Dave passing him in points, he can't be the best. Like, I, it really, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's no secret that he hasn't exactly embraced Portland. He doesn't and, like Portland. He doesn't like Portland. Yeah. His son embraces Portland more than he does. Uh, you know, his son has that podcast with uh, Dia. I forgot her last name, but uh, Clyde talked on that podcast about Dame breaking his record. So, uh, you know, give them their their credit. It's uh, Adam Drexler and, and Dia. Apologies for forgetting her last name. but um, So, you heard Clyde talk about it there and... He called Dame, like, that's respectful. I just, when he wasn't in the video, it was like, wow, is this dude just not even going to acknowledge this? Which wouldn't be classy, and I know some people don't care about that stuff, but it's like, man, like, just have some respect for the guys after you, because that can be a problem with ex-NBA players just not respecting this current generation of NBA players. So I think a lot of people's reaction was like, oh my goodness, he's just not even going to acknowledge this. He's just not even going to show Dame any love or respect. Like, that, you know, he doesn't embrace Portland. He just doesn't care at all to the point where if Dame breaks his record, he won't even give him props. That's how people took it, and I understand why they took it that way. Um, But but, you know, I it just depends on if you take into account that extra stuff, like embracing being a Portland Trailblazer, you know, like does being it, a does person it matter, of class. Tori, does it matter at all that he, apparently, according to his son Adam, he reached out and called him? Like, does that Yeah, that matter? matters. Absolutely. That's classy. That's respectful. Like, okay, when I heard that, I was like, all right, all right, that's, I respect that. You know what I mean? Cool. I'm not hating on him for a lack of a video after I hear that. And I wasn't even hating on him for the lack of a video. Um, I was kind of distracted with... I don't know what I was distracted with, but I didn't even have the time to even think about being mad at him. Um, but I don't think I wouldn't have been mad at him for lack of a video. I would just hope that, yeah, he would have called him. So glad that he did. Yeah, that uh, that podcast, by the way, is uh, Shooting Hoops. Dia Miller, Adam Drexler. Uh, go check that out too, more Blazer stuff. But yeah, I just had a problem with people saying because he didn't make a video, uh, we don't like him. So I get it. I get it. Like, Clyde, he's not, he, he went into the Hall of Fame as a Rocket, not a Blazer. I understand the, the, uh, I just the hatred that people have towards him because he doesn't feel like Portland and Dame is so like representative, representative of Rip City and Portland. Like Dame is definitely the Blazers guy. So yeah, Clyde uh, isn't a Blazer. He's a Rocket. He's a Houston guy. He went there he in is. college he and is. yeah, he ain't a Blazer. He He's a Houston guy. And he also led the team to the finals numerous times and was he a was better defender. And was a better defender than Dame and uh, was just as good in numbers-wise as Dame. So. The thing that I love about Dame, though, is like I I trust that he'll be here his whole career. And then after he retires, he's still going to be a blazer. Like, yes. you're, you're going yes. to see him around, you know what I mean? Like, um, shoot, I wouldn't put it past him to try and become like a, once the team gets sold, to be a minority investor. In like an ambassador the, too, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I expect him to still be a blazer. So, uh, that matters to me, man. Like, I like that type of stuff. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I understand why people don't care, but I'm a fan of that type of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's just the definition of what you say, like you said. And, uh, again, I don't have a problem with who you think is the best blazer. If you think Dame is the best blazer of all time, we can argue that. And I will respect your opinion. And at some point, I think Dame's going to pass Clyde. And I think... If you think Clyde's it, I agree with you, but you might be wrong. Like, I don't think either person is wrong. Like, if you say Dame is the best of all time, I'm not going to say you're wrong. And if someone says Clyde's the best of all time, I can't say you're wrong. Like, they're both correct answers. Um, I just think, like, Dame is definitely up there as more of a favorite blazer than Clyde Drexler. But uh, I just, it's, it's just different things, man. It's just It just bothered me, this whole video thing. Like, maybe I get it. It's because I'm old. I don't understand the, uh, the Instagram <laughs> videos. So, uh that's just me hating on that. So I just had to get it off my chest, Tori. You got anything else to add to that? You want to move on? Uh, I'll just say, like, I don't participate in the greatest of all time MJ versus LeBron debates because it's just subject to your definition of what makes somebody the greatest. So, and nobody's right or wrong. I like talking about stuff that is tangible, not just blatant opinion. Well, let's talk about stuff then. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, your guy. Uh, I feel like you're defending him on Twitter more than ever. I don't know if you're just highlighting the negative tweets that you get about him or if you're searching him out or if you're getting a lot of them, but uh, Nurk against the Hornets. Let's just talk about this game uh, the other night. 
Blazers win 124-113. Nurk, he goes for 28 points, 15 rebounds, 6 assists, hits 5 threes. Now, it was the second half where, you know, people were just loving, just absolutely love what Yusuf Nurkic did. 21 points, 10 rebounds in the second half alone, hit 4 threes. Um, you know, you went back and you watched some of the tape on the game, especially in the first half, because people were, uh, you know, saying it wasn't given effort or wasn't playing great defense. Chauncey even said, like, he kind of called Nurk out in the first half to play better, but it was mostly on the offensive side. Uh, so I just want to get your thoughts of what you saw during the game uh, from Nurk. And, you know, another thing, like, is that sustainable for the rest of the season? Because he's been playing really well as of late. Is this a thing that we can expect out of Nurk for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think his three-point shooting is real. We had a conversation recently. I was saying I think it's going to end like a shade below 38%. You said over. You actually were positive on it. Right now he's at 46 freaking percent, man. His that shot means- looks good, dude. His shot is a good-looking shot, too. And he doesn't force. He just takes like the wide-open ones. Sometimes he passes up wide-open ones. Do you ones. want him to take more, by the way? Yes. I can't. Dude, during the second half of that game, I had to take a step back and realize what I was rooting for because I was upset that Damian Lillard was shooting threes because I wanted Yusuf Nurkic to shoot a three. Like, just look at his last five <laughs> games. His last five games, last game he shot seven against Charlotte, but before that it was 2-2-1-1. Two, two, one, one. Like, he ne- maybe not seven a game, Tori, but he needs to be closer to four or five rather than one or two, right? Yeah, it opens up things more for Dame and Anthony Simons, and Nurkic even admitted that in the post-game press conference. It gives them more space to drive, and then if the rim protector's around the rim, okay, kick it out to a guy who's shooting 46% on open threes this year. Uh, you'll, you'll absolutely take that shot. Now... 46 is maybe too ambitious and optimistic. You know, it's still a smaller sample size. I would expect that to come down a bit. But I've talked about in the past, like, if he can just be a 35% three-point shooter on four attempts per game, okay, well, there, he's Miles Turner as a shooter. And people have said, oh, we need Miles Turner because he could shoot the three ball. We're talking about a dude shooting 46% right now. If, we're t- if he just shot 35% on four attempts per game, I think that's doable. I think that's doable. I think he can be... As good of a three-point shooter as Miles Turner is. Because Miles Turner isn't some, like, great three-point shooter. He just shoots, like, 35% for his career on four attempts per game. He just shoots them on enough volume to space the floor. Yeah. So, but here's something that I noticed in the first half. Nurkic was trying to be too unselfish. That travel he had, he was looking for a cutter. Um, But then there was another play where he had the ball at the top of the arc. And I don't know if it was Mason Plumlee or Mark Williams, whoever Charlotte's center was at the time, was below the free-throw line. Wasn't even guarding him behind the arc, and Nurkic was trying to hit a cutter, but because this guy was so far away, it was easy for that guy to read a pass and get a hand on it, and it's like, Nurk, you're, you've been money on open threes, just shoot open threes until they come out on you, then when they come out on you, it's easier to throw it past your defender, because they're close, it's, you know, you've played, I've played, like, give a guy 10 feet of space to try and pick off your pass, it's harder to pass it by somebody than if they're right up against you. So that's the thing, just draw your defender out of the paint, then those passes to those cutters will be much easier. And the center won't be around the rim to potentially bother them. And the thing is, is like, you look at his total stat line, six assists, like, and I, you know, I've been more of a uh, downer on Nurk. And I think it's just, you know, one of those things where it's almost like the CJ McCollum thing. Like, you've seen him play so much, you just get tired of watching him play. You want to see something new. And that's kind of what it is for Nurk. But, like, when Nurk is on and Nurk is playing really well, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, like, you know, I don't want to be too crazy here, Tori, but isn't Nurk, like, a top three or four center in the NBA when he's on fire, when he's playing really well? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you can say that about 12 centers, unfortunately, but... uh, But But I would say, like... He's towards the upper echelon more often than other guys. Oh, absolutely, because he can rebound. He can pass. He can even handle the little the ball a little bit. We saw him attack a couple closeouts yesterday against the Hornets, which was kind of surreal. Almost had an insane up and under finish. Like, that's the next evolution, by the way, is him attacking closeouts. But he's just a well-rounded big. He's not the flashiest shot blocker, but I think his defense gets overrated, and we'll get into that in a second. But he's a good positional defender, and he's a smarter defender than people give him credit for. Um, and... He can rebound. He can shoot threes now. His finishing is like the weak part of his game offensively. But um, when he's playing well, he can finish. It's just a little bit inconsistent in that regard. But the thing is, this dude is having the most efficient year of his career by far. And a lot of that has to do with the three-point shooting. But he has finished better lately. He struggled to start the year. He has been finishing better. Finishing through contact. Still has a moment here or there, but it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Yeah, when this dude is has it rolling, it makes this team really hard to beat just because he's that fourth guy. And you look at 
contending teams. A lot of times they'll have like that fourth guy that can get hot and have a 25 point game. Um, and Nurkic is kind of that guy right now. Yeah. I mean, I think when the Blazers, it, that's the thing. If Nurk is their fourth best player, that's when the Blazers offensively can be really good, right? Like when he's on and he's your fourth option, that is a really good offense team. We touched on this the last podcast, last podcast, last podcast, uh, like they could be the best offensive team in the Western Conference. Uh, but yeah, and then you touched on it as well. Defensively, I've always said he's a really good positional defender. And, you know, block shots don't necessarily tell the story on how good defensively you are. I think that's one of those things where defense is hard to judge because there's not really like a stat that you can look at for how good a defender is. Because you can look at offense and you can say, oh, this guy shoots a high percentage or this guy scores a lot of points. This guy gets a lot of assists and you can say, okay, well, he does that well. Where defensively, there aren't really those stats. Like you can look at individual defensive stats, but sometimes those are very skewed. Those aren't necessarily like scientifically good. Like it's just not like a great indicator all the time of what it is. It's a good tool, but it's kind of one of those things you have to watch and look. Where I think with Nurk, you know, you look at the blocks and steals. It's like he doesn't necessarily get a bunch of those things, but you watch him on the court and he makes a lot of really good decisions to the pick and roll that other guys can't do on the trailblazers um as uh that would be like juju base a lot of times he makes mistakes on that end on the pick and roll so i think for the blazers obviously is to be really good and it's been like this for a couple seasons now like they just need nerd to be a a consistent option i just don't know if he's ever going to be that consistent option all the time um and that's my thing with him is just i i get tired of the inconsistency but lately he's been really good i have nothing to complain about so uh, let's talk about the defense that he was playing. So you went back, you watched a lot of the a lot of the game with Nurk, especially in the pick and roll defense. How he was playing, like what what is he doing that's really well and that people can look at uh, and kind of watch next game when the Blazers play against Golden State that he did really well against Charlotte. I mean, he's just solid. You'll never see him chasing blocks when he shouldn't. I would rather have a center that forces a guy to miss and stays grounded and is there for a potential rebound. What do you mean by chasing? What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean by chasing blocks? Just watch Drew Eubanks, man. There's so many plays where somebody will drive and Eubanks is so far away, like, he has no chance of even affecting the shot if he goes and tries to block it, but he'll still, like, fly across the court to try and block it. People will say, oh, look, he's high energy. I wish Nurkic was was somebody that's high energy as that, but he'll fly across, across the lane to try and block a shot, and the shot will miss, but not because of him, but then the center that he was guarding is just right there for an easy putback. And there was a play in the first half like that where somebody drove on Jeremy Grant and Grant did good defense, might've gotten a hand on it. But Eubanks behind Grant tried to block the shot, took himself completely out of position and Mason Plumlee was there for a lay-in. It basically becomes a situation where if you don't block the shot, um, they're getting an offensive rebound or the guy's making it anyway, the guy, the initial guy that drives. So that's, that's the thing is I don't like big men that chase blocks in terms of stuff that they can't have much of an impact on if somebody beats their defender and is driving right at you yeah try and block their shot of course protect the rim but it's stuff where it's like dude you have no chance of blocking that shot you're not even close enough to alter that shot but you're completely taking yourself out of position for the rebound that's the stuff i have a problem with that drew eubanks does but when other people see it it looks like he's playing with high energy and Occasionally he'll he will get a block like that, and it's like oh look at him protect the rim at such an elite level. But we've talked about in the past like the difference between a guy who blocks a lot of shots as a center and a guy who doesn't is like two blocks per game versus one block per game in like thirty to thirty six minutes. Right? Those guys are playing fifty defensive possessions, so block blocks are rare. I want to know what the dude's doing on the other 95, 96, 97% of plays. So that's that's what matters to me. And that's where I think Nurkic is really good. He doesn't do the flashy blocks that everybody notices that look all high energy. But he just stays grounded. It does a good job of contesting shots and forcing guys to miss. And then he's in position to rebound when he forces those guys to miss. So that's more of a rim protector to me. It's just not the traditional rim protector, this dude blocks a bunch of shots type of guy that people normally will attribute rim protector status to. And I would I'll add this to it. Um, you know, when I was with the Blazers, like, and we're tracking defense, yes, you track when they block a shot, but what we track that as is just a contest, right? It's just a full contest. We're not saying it's a block shot. They just fully contest it. 
you can get a fully contested shot and not block a shot as well. Like you can contest a shot really well and it'd be counted as full. So it's like, that's what it is. It's like block shots. Yes, they are great. And they can be, be very helpful. Like in the, in the best case scenario, you would love your guys to be a great shot blocker, a smart defender and all that stuff. But as you said, Tori, like block shots aren't necessarily the most important thing when it comes to defense. It's all about the position. It's all about how you contest shots. And Nurk is a guy that actually does get in good spots. A lot of times he just doesn't get a lot of help from the opposite side. So uh, just, yeah, I do want to add that just like block shots are great, but like when people are tracking defensive plays, like you're not tracking it as a block shot. You're just tracking it as a fully contested shot, which you can get anywhere. You can get that from a three point contest shot if you're in the guy's face and you make it tough on him, like that's just how it works. So, uh, yeah, I mean, block shots aren't the end of the world if you don't get them. And I do think Nurk is downgraded defensively because of that, just by, uh, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. But then also there's a lot of criticism of him defensively that I just truly don't understand. Steven, um, there was criticism of him defensively in the first half against the Charlotte game. I went back and watched every shot and even asked a couple of people that agreed with criticism of his defense in the first half. And the first reasoning they gave was, oh, well, look at Mason Plumlee's two jumpers. We're, we're criticizing him for letting Mason Plumlee shoot jumpers. I'm pretty sure that's the game plan because this dude is shooting left-handed like a shot put. And he happened to make two of them. <laughs> like, you'll live with that. Absolutely live with that. That's the type of shot you want to give up. So if we're criticizing him for that, uh, really, that's what we're criticizing him for. But then the next play that somebody came up with was a play where Kelly Oubre made this, like, inside hand contorted sideways to the rim, like, flip laying over Nurkic. That was just, like, an extremely difficult shot. And the only reason he was in that situation was because Shaden Sharp played bad defense um, and let Kelly Oubre blow right by him. And Nurkic didn't foul, which that's the thing. Guys that fly in for a lot of blocks, they are prone to fouling at times because they get a little bit out of control. Nurkic has done a better job not fouling this year, which was a criticism in the past of his. That was legitimate. Um, Just went straight up, made him shoot a really tough shot. Sometimes you can play good defense and the shot still goes in. That's what some people don't seem to realize. So there was a lot of criticism of his defense and people just end up saying, oh, well, look, he was so low energy on defense and he just looked sloppy on defense or he just looked whatever adjective they want to insert. And I go back and look through specific plays and I don't like, sure, maybe aesthetically he looks a little lethargic, but if it's not resulting in bad defense, who cares is where I'm at. So can we, I I, just to anybody that criticism like that, Please bring me tangible examples of a clip or a breakdown of a specific play in which he plays bad defense. Because I feel like people get caught in all these cliches like, oh, he's just a low energy defender and lazy and and this and that. And it's like, I'm looking for bad defensive plays from him and I'm not finding them. I, uh, I can't say that I disagree with you. I, I, I like the way Nurk has been playing recently and pretty much all year. Like, I think he's been doing a good job. It's a lot of guys around him that are not helping him. Uh, I want to transition to Eubanks a little bit because we've been talking about Drew Eubanks, kind of trash him a little bit. Is there anything that you like about Drew Eubanks or do you just hate everything about his game? I like the way he, I like how he finishes and I like that he's a 67% three-point shooter. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. So... I was watching that game last night with some friends in a voice call and one of them on that inbounds was like, why is Drew Eubanks standing behind the three-point line? And I was like, because he's a sniper, watch. I didn't expect him to shoot it. I did not expect him to make it, but I I called it. I called it. So I was confident in his three-point shot and it paid off, I guess. It was kind of hilarious to look at the box score and see Dame one for nine. From three, Eubanks one for one, and Nurkic at the time was like three for three, ended up being five for five at one point, which was kind of hilarious. But, um, I mean, he finishes well. He finishes well, but the little stuff, like he doesn't set good screens. Half the time he sets a screen, he doesn't roll hard. Like, I, I get frustrated. Like, he'll set a screen and a guard will come off a screen and he'll kind of just like hang out where he's screened at. It just kind of like stand there at times. Like, there's just a lot of little stuff that kind of bothers me with him. Transition, defense, uh, he kind of struggles with. And I kind of came to a re- realization. And I said this on our post game stream and I don't want this to sound too mean. And obviously, it's nothing personal. We're just talking about him as a basketball player. But do you get the, uh, do you get the notion that he's kind of a 
one-track mind where it's like, he'll get back in defense and he's like, I gotta go guard my guy. And he'll run up to Mason Plumley at the three-point line in transition. And then he'll realize, oh, well, I should be in help side position because he's not a shooter. Or, like, there's just a lot of plays where it's he gets locked in on one specific thing and it's either like, oh, I'm going to block this shot before a guy even drives and you know he's going to try and fly across the lane no matter what, even if the player's still guarded to try and block the shot. Um, like, I don't know. I just, just in terms of awareness, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, rebounding, I think he's struggled with at times. Defense, he'll have a good block here or there, but um, makes a lot of mistakes. And um, yeah, offensively, I don't really have much criticism outside of his screen setting because he finishes well. It's just uh, you need a guy that can protect the rim a little bit better. And with that bench lineup, it would be nice to have a five that could shoot as well. And uh, he's neither of those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a little nitpicky there, but uh, I agree with you for the most part. Like, He's a backup center. Like, that's what he is. And I do agree with you. We talked about this before, and I brought this up to you. Like, defensively, he switches. Like, Chauncey has him switch a lot because I don't know that he necessarily is good at anything else, right? Like, he's not good at switching either, but he can't really play any type of hedging and that pick and roll. Which makes no sense. Why can't he? He's agile and quick-footed for a Because you know this, Tori. Like, some people just can't do it. Some people just cannot do that type of defense. And it's okay, but that's why he's a backup center in the NBA. But what he does now is he can finish at the hoop, shooting 75%. He dunks a lot of things. You know, he does get these, uh, you know, quote-unquote hustle plays. He gets these blocks. And, like, he's going to stay in the league because of it, right? Like, there's been guys that have done this in their careers and made a long career out of it. Like, JaVale McGee uh, is, this ty- is the same type of guy. Like, he dunks the ball. He blocks a lot of shots. He sets a screen and then rolls the hoop and just tried to dunk everything. And he's been in the league for over 10 years. Like, that, not saying that Drew Ewings is going to be in the league for 10 years. But he's just trying to find a niche. And so, I don't like being too hard on him because he is just a backup setter. And yes, they can upgrade. But uh, there's a lot of things that you wish he did better. And I agree with you. Like, I think he does... Um, my son, he, uh, he's really starting to get into basketball. He wanted me to tell you this story, by the way, on the podcast. He just wants to be, <laughs> he wants to be YouTube famous is what it is. But, uh, I love it. Yeah. He, uh, so, you know, he's been getting into basketball. He's been watching the Blazers and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were watching the Hornets game and I told him that the Hornets have a terrible record. And he's like, dad, dude, the Blazers, they could beat everyone and lose to everyone. So I told him, dude, it doesn't matter. Like the Blazers hometown team, like you always root for him. And he goes, yeah, we root for him except for Eubanks because he stinks. And that was his direct quote. And uh, as a father of an eight-year-old that said that, I was very proud of him to have that take. But uh, in all sincerity, I do think Drew Eubanks is a okay backup center. I want an improvement, but uh, he needs to be better at a few things. But it, it was just funny. like, And it just made me think of you. And then you liked the tweet. And I told him that right before bedtime. And he was hyped. Like, he couldn't go to sleep. He's like, oh, man, like, Tori liked it? Cool. Like, you need to talk to him. So I just wanted to bring that up to you. That's really cool. That's really cool. uh, He knows basketball, man. He does. He knows basketball. He's my my son. He's my son. He knows basketball. He kind of has to know basketball. He has to. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But but that's the thing. Like, do you agree with that? Like, just you being like, he's a backup center for a reason. And he's trying to find a niche in the NBA. And I think he has, right? Like, what he does well, though, like, he finished at the hoop. He can dunk the ball. Like, he does that well, right? Yeah, I mean, but I don't think he'd be in the NBA if the Portland Trailblazers didn't sign him last year. I am more negative than you are on him, which is no shock. But, like, I, I he was barely on the Spurs, who sucked, and then he gets traded to the Raptors, and they immediately cut him. Cut. And then the Blazers just signed him on 10 days. I think it was like, oh, well, he's a hometown kid, and we're tanking the rest of the season. And then it was like, oh, look how good he played while we were tanking and playing against other teams that were tanking. We should make him the backup center. <laughs> That's I, I, how I feel yeah. like things went. And I don't no, agree I mean, with it. I mean, last year I basically said, like, if Drew Eubanks is the backup center this season, I'm not going to be happy. And that's what it is. He's been the backup center. So, uh... I agree. They need to upgrade there. But, uh, yeah. Have you noticed? Have you noticed, though, how different the game feels with Nurkic off the floor? Is that just me? It's like, I look at these games, and I don't want to read too much into plus-minus, but there's been a bunch of games lately where, like, Nurkic is a plus-10 or a plus-20, and Eubanks is, like, a minus-10 or a minus-20. This is the past game. Obviously, Nurkic played great, but he's a plus-20, and Eubanks in 12, mi- 12 minutes is a minus-9. Like, the game feels... Completely different. Our interior defense feels much worse. Our rebounding feels much worse. I'm sure there's stats that can back both of those up. And 
you know, the thing is Eubanks is playing with other bench guys and I'm not too fond of any other other bench guys he's playing with, so that can be partly to blame for the team losing ground when Eubanks is in a game, which correlates with plus-minus, obviously. It's, you know, reflective of more than just you. It's also who you're on the court with. But, man, I just... The game changes when Nurkic subs off the court. Even what people call, quote-unquote, lazy Nurkic, I still feel like is just so much more solid of a rebounder, of uh, of an interior presence, and Eubanks doesn't provide that, which is obviously why he's the backup. It's just crazy to me that some people think that Eubanks is better. I think that the Blazers might still need to upgrade that center spot because as we look at the bench, which I know you want to talk about, um, so I'll segue this one. This bench is This bench is not good. I don't know if there's a single guy playing right now that should play in the playoffs that you should have on a playoff rotation. Like, right now we're playing Wofford, Eubanks, Keon Johnson some, Shane Sharp some. I don't think any of those guys you want playing in the playoffs. Well, Shane Sharp didn't go back into the fourth quarter uh, against Charlotte. He only played seven minutes, basically. Uh, I don't think he even played. Did he play in the second half? I don't think he did. It's 25 seconds at the very end of the game. The, the, the garbage Which time, doesn't that count. was it. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't count. So, uh, I agree. The bench has been awful. We talked about that a little bit, but like, it's gotten even worse since we talked about it before. So, uh, like, specifically, Tori, like, what do the Blazers need? So, I think backup center is an obvious spot. Uh, but you look at the you look at the backups right now. I think Keon Johnson, you know, he played 18 minutes last night. He played the most off the bench for this team. Trent Wofford played 15 and a half minutes. I've never been a big Trent Wofford guy. I think he's fine, but I think they can upgrade there. And now Justice Winslow's being out for two weeks. I know that uh, he hasn't been playing well either but he's a guy that you could throw out there for 10-15 minutes and be okay um he definitely would help this bench because the bench is so bad but what is there any like specific skill set you think that the Blazers need off the bench or is it just basically a whole overhaul of the entire bench they need role players that are good in a specific role (laughs) is what I really think it is so so yeah an overhaul so they need an overhaul over overhaul um gp2 can play in the playoffs. Obviously, you proved that last yeah. year. In the playoffs, you shorten it to an eight-man rotation. We need a backup forward and a backup center, is what I think we need. Um, because the starting lineups are great, and you can play them heavy minutes in the playoffs. You might only need two players in your rotation off the bench in the playoffs, because I think you could see Dame, Grant, Hart, and Simons playing 40 minutes a night in the playoffs. I mean, last game against the Hornets, all three of those guys played at least 37. I just knocked something over. Uh, all three, all four of those guys played at least 37 minutes. Three of them played at least 38. Simon's played 39 minutes. And Simon's, uh, you know, started off hot but didn't do much the rest of the game. So um, that's the thing. That shows you that Chauncey doesn't trust his bench. But the problem is, like, you need players that are good at specific things. And for a backup center, being able to finish around the rim is not enough. You got to be able to at least rebound or defend on top of that or shoot threes. The problem is Eubanks doesn't do any of those things well, in my opinion. Trendon Watford doesn't shoot threes, is stuck between power forward and center. I don't know what position he defends better. He has some good moments, but has too many moments where he falls asleep or just kind of gets burned on the ball. His defensive isolation stats aren't good. Um, like, what is his role? What is he good at for sure on an NBA level that you can bank on that skill in a playoff series. There isn't any. Keon Johnson, like defense, I guess, but he's not a good enough defender to just be a defensive guy. And then offensively, he's has moments where he looks really good, but it's nowhere near consistent enough. Um, Shane Sharp right now is a, I don't know what Shaden Sharp is because he can't create off the dribble. And he's not he's a good a, he's defensive player right now. He's unplayable as he is. He's unplayable. Yeah. Like, I, I'm still very high on his long-term, you know, outlook too, and everything. Me too. me too. Yeah. But in the short term, it's like you don't trust that guy this year in the playoffs, I don't think. Like, what specifically is he good at? What is his role? Because I had somebody say to me recently, like, this bench just looks like a bunch of players who don't have to find roles. And they were blaming Chauncey Billups for it. But I told him, like, what role do you put these guys in that they can play? <laughs> This was one of the fears that I had coming into the year is the depth of this team. I didn't think this team was very deep. And I think it's really showing its head right now. Justice Winslow playing so well at the start of the year, you know, kind of mask that. And now with GP2 coming back, like you said, he's going to be the only legitimate backup on this team that can play. Like, Keon yeah. Johnson is a good athlete. I think athletically he could play in the playoffs. But at some point you have to have some type of skill if you're going to play deeper in the playoffs. 
I don't know what that skill is. And you touched on Wofford and Eubanks and Sharp. Greg Brown, definitely not. Jabari Walker, not yet. Like, I really do think, like, this Blazer team needs to have, you know, as I was saying, like, an overhaul of the bench. Like, I think down the road, if we're looking at a playoff series, let's just say they got to get to nine players, right? And you might be right. It might be eight. It might even be shortened to eight. But I would like to have at least nine guys that I can say and put in the game and be like, all right, I feel good about this. Just in case one of those guys is struggling, you can go to a ninth guy. Right now, I see six with the Blazers, and then Justice Winslow would be seven, maybe. Like, Over I don't Nasir Little? No, I don't trust Nasir Little at all. I never have, and I can't at all yet. So I think they need at least two guys. And maybe, yeah. maybe Nasir's that guy, but do you think we Nasir's that guy? I would put Nasir over Justice Winslow for a playoff but what, series. But, because what, but what is Nasir's skill that is good enough to play? He can at least make a three-point shot. Can um, he? Can yeah, what was he shooting from three this year? I know it was a small sample, but if Justice Winslow shot what Nasir Little shot from three this year on a small sample, we'd be talking about how he's a two-way player and, you know, it'd be phenomenal for him. He was 30, 37%. Yeah, for, you know, the year before he was 33. Like, that's not great, but, you know, you can put him in a game and it's like if he's left but wide he open, he can knock down either, a couple though. in a row. But, he doesn't but that's, the, that's the thing. That's why I wouldn't trust him in a playoff series. But the problem is, we've seen it in the playoffs. When you play a guy who cannot shoot, teams game plan for that and will specifically leave that guy open in order to just clog everything else up. And that is more of an issue in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. Um, that's what we've seen in the past in the NBA. I mean, even going back to Tony Allen, those Memphis teams had trouble and he was a phenomenal defensive player, but teams just wouldn't guard him. Teams will not guard Justice Winslow. He's not good enough creating off the dribble. He is just wildly inefficient. He's not even good finishing around the rim. He's bad finishing around the rim. Like every area of the floor he cannot shoot from. Um, and then he's not a great rebounder. He's... I think a little bit of an overrated defensive player. Like, he's good against bigger players as a 6'5 guy. Like, he's best guarding fours and fives. You got to use him almost as a small ball center for him to have any sort of value. I just don't like Justice Winslow in the playoffs. I think his game is not suited for the playoffs. I would not trust him in a playoff series whatsoever. And I tend to agree. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think I would trust him more than I trust Nasir Little, but I don't think that's saying anything. Like, I don't trust that. Like, it's GP2 and that's it. So I do think there's like... And I was trying to be nice with Winslow, saying he'd be the other guy. So two, three guys that the Blazers need to get that are on this roster to get to that playoff level. I I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough to do that. Now, if they can somehow do it, I'm going to be really high on the Blazers. But this is one of the fears that I have is that you don't necessarily need depth in the playoffs, but you need enough. Like you need to have some type of bench. And right now, I just don't trust the Blazers. So when they do get to the playoffs, like this is going to be a real problem unless they address this. Yeah, I'll just say, like, as far as Nas goes, I trust him more as a three-point shooter, and I trust him more as a cutter and finisher and playing in transition, um, just as, like, a lane filler. So that's, See, that's I, why I'm I, all and I trust, And I trust Justice more as a veteran player that, like, has been in big-time games, you know, whether it's at Duke or whatever. Like, he's played in these big-time games before. Like, I just trust him with being a vet over Nas, who I haven't really seen. He's always injured. So, and, and I think both of those guys, I don't want to rely on either of them. If I'm going to be honest, I don't want to rely on either of them. We're Parson Harris here, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not too fond of either. Uh, so that's a lot of the trade stuff. Is everybody wants a big name, but I think our starting lineup's good. Like I think it's really good, man. I think Dame and Ant have been playing better defensively as of late. I think Dame against Charlotte was our best perimeter defender. I think he was better defensively than than Grant and Hart were. Grant and Hart made some mistakes in that first half. They were playing kind of lackadaisical, short closeouts on P.J. Washington threes, and I went back and rewatched that first half, man. Like, Dame, there was not a single play that really stood out to me, like, what in the world is Dame doing? That hasn't been the case in the past. People should give Dame credit for improving defensively. Um, he had a block on Gordon Hayward. We talk about the undersized backcourt being a problem. He blocked Gordon Hayward on a 12-footer. Um, had another block somewhere in that game. Uh, like He's always been a good low post defender. And Anthony Simons um, has been playing better as of late, too. He had some really good moments in that Denver game. And last night wasn't a negative against Charlotte, so... I don't know. Like, I think our forwards need to defend better in the starting lineup. But as long as that happens, this team before that Denver game, the 10 games prior to that was the 17th ranked defense. 
it's not like it's been completely terribly lately. Denver's a really good offense, and then Charlotte, bad first half, but they made some shots. I mean, Mason Plumlee's hitting jumpers, and then the second half, they tightened up. So I think the defense is not as bad as people think, but when the bench comes in the game, they're giving up leads, or they are um, taking a close game, and they're giving the starters a 8-10 to 10 point deficit. That's happening too often lately, and uh, that that's really what needs to be fixed. So I think as the trade deadline comes, you're going to be looking at uh, just a couple cheap bench pieces, not the biggest names, but just guys that can play a specific role and get the job done, and you can trust in the playoffs. Yeah, without naming names, like I think the Blazers need to address, like you said, another forward, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy that you know isn't necessarily a great shooter, isn't necessarily a great defender, but can fill that role better than what they have. Because I do think that GP2, when he comes back healthy, if he comes back healthy, who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody has any sources. Nobody knows anything about GP2. But when, if and when he comes back, I'm hoping he does, and the Blazers need him. But, like, that's the guy that you have off the off the bench to play defense. Then you need a guy who is athletic, right, at 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", that can, you know, go out there and guard another guy. And then you need a bigger post type of player that is a little different than Durkic. Like, I do like Eubanks for the fact that He's uh, you know, not even he's not a great athlete, but he's more athletic than uh, Nurk. So I do like that. I want a better athlete at center than Nurk off the bench. But you know, for so for me specifically, I just I need another wing. I need another big guy off the bench, and then that would be eight, right? That's eight guys if the Blazers can somehow do that. And I do want another guy, and um, you know, not necessarily a point guard, but just another ball handler that can set up the offense and take a little pressure off of Dame because. I like Ant. I think Ant is a really good player and he's a really good scorer. I don't trust him in the playoffs quite yet. And it remains to be seen. Maybe he's going to step up in the playoffs, but uh, I don't trust him in the playoffs being that playmaker for others. Like, I want to have another guy that can uh, playmake for him and just let Ant do his thing off the ball, especially this season. So I think those are the three things that I want to see Portland try to address. And if they somehow got all three of them, I don't think that they're going to, but if they got all three... I would feel really good about Portland going into the playoffs. Um, is there anything like you're really specifically looking for, not player-wise, but just like play style-wise? Just guys that can create or shoot or defend because right now, Nas, Justice Winslow, Drew Banks, Keon Johnson, Shaden Sharp, even GP2. You don't trust any of those guys to create their own shot whatsoever. So that kind of goes into your, um, you know, just another table setter off the bench next to Ant would be nice. I think Ants, it's been unfair towards Anthony Simons, some of the criticism that he's gotten for not distributing well enough playing with the bench lineup or not being a good enough point guard with the bench lineup. He's taken some heat for how that bench lineup looks, and it's just like, look at who's around him. At times, he has three non-shooters and Winslow, Eubanks, and Watford next to him. Like, who's he supposed to kick out to? None of those guys can create, so it's all on Simons and the paint is packed. Um, so you got to fix that problem. So, um, I think another defensive piece, another shooter and another shot creator. And it'd be nice, of course, if you got a player that could do multiple things, but that's really what you need. You need guys that do those three specific things. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's, I think the shot making, that's, that's what I was kind of lacking to what I said, but shot making, I think is very important. Um, because it is something that is hard to do in the playoffs. A lot of times, Offenses go out the window, and it's a lot of one-on-one stuff at the end of the shot clock. So it would be nice to have just one more guy off the bench uh, that could do that. So I, I, I think that, and I think that's the type of thing that you can find in the NBA. You can find guys that create can create shots, um, and that's basically all that they do, and they can be very helpful. So uh, I think the Blazers right now it is a it's an unfinished product, uh, but you know right now you still have to like where they're at in the standings. Um, when we're recording this, uh, 18 and 16, eighth, tied for eight, uh, seventh place with the Kings. Like, you still have to like where they're at based off the schedule they've had. Uh, you know, they still aren't great at home yet, right? Like, only eight and six at the Moda Center. Like, there's a lot of room for improvement here with Portland. I just think it's an unfinished product, but they're getting healthier. Hopefully, GP2 comes back. And then I think once GP2 comes back, if he does indeed come back very soon, Tori, we could really see what is lacking off the bench because you know the defense is always going to be the problem with Portland like can they defend enough to win in the postseason GP2 is gonna help that you know 
just so much just being out there because he's such a good defender. We're going to really see, is it enough defense, right? Like, is the GP2 addition going to be enough defense for Portland to become a team in the playoffs that is dangerous? Or do they need to add another piece on the defensive side besides GP2? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, um, we're right around the corner, man. The trade deadline is a month and a half away. Isn't that kind of crazy? And it, this season's flown by, man. The season <laughs> has flown by. Uh, Year has flown by. This is our last recording of 2022. Yeah, yeah. So uh, happy New Year to everybody. I guess I don't know. I mean, was did how would you uh, how would you grade the Blazers in 2022? Oh, is the uh, year as a whole? I yeah. mean, they tanked successfully, so that's good. Um, the trade deadline last year I thought was not good. Uh, the offseason I thought was pretty good, but the GP2 signing hasn't worked out. Oh, my God. Um, freaking C+. Gotta, plus, I, I was going to say, say got to be B-, minus, right? Like, yeah, ab- B-, minus, above, C+. Plus. Above average, but not, like, awesome, right? Like, it wasn't great, but it was solid. Solid B. Yeah, I will go. I will go B, but B B minus C plus line, like you know, seventy nine to eighty percent. I'll 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 give them that grade. Now there's still a couple days left, Tori. Maybe they make a trade and they, uh, you know, the last couple days of 2022, and it goes off. But I don't think so. Yeah, well, if that happens, this isn't our last recording, so uh, not expecting <laughs> anything anytime soon. Um, but man, it'll be fun. We'll have to figure out, like you know. If they make a trade, I want to get out a podcast with you like shortly after that, just while the the news is still fresh and whatnot. But every time the Blazers make a trade, I go live on Blazers Uprise, which is my YouTube channel. So definitely check us out and subscribe there. That's me and my guy, Eric Brandt. And we go live like as soon as we possibly can whenever there's any trade news breaking regarding your Portland Trail Blazers. But, uh, you know. Maybe I'll pop on with you guys if that happens. But uh, also, that'd be awesome. I'd love to bring you on. For I that. want to uh, want to plug your guys's uh, in-person watch party. I know that's coming up uh, January second. Uh, you want to give the details out to that? Yeah, so we're hosting an in-person watch party at Alberta Abbey. Doors open at 6, game starts at 7. We'll have a feed on a projector for the game, but then we're going to do our post-game live stream, our post-game show from the venue. So, you know, you can come and we might set up a Q&A part of the post-game show for the people that attend, but you can uh, find tickets on my Twitter at Tory Jones YT. I'm going to tweet out the link and pit it. Cause I don't think I've done that on my personal account yet. Um, so just check me out on Twitter. The tags below. If you're watching the video version, uh, if you're listening to the audio, just at Tory Jones YT T O R E Y Jones YT on Twitter. Yeah, that's uh, Monday, January 2nd, uh, so it's coming up. I uh, I plan on coming out there as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got to work, of course, 7.50 the game, holler at them, uh, watch them, and uh, listen to them as well, listen to all the, our good stuff that we do out there. Then I'll be heading out there, hang out with you guys as well, so I think it'll be a good time. But uh, with that, I think it's going to wrap up this episode of the Believe in Blazer podcast presented by Bet Online for my guy, Tori Jones over there. Catch him at Tori Jones YT on Twitter. I am Stephen Vaughn. Catch me at Stephen underscore VON. Want to thank everyone for listening. Thank everyone for rating, subscribing, commenting. We enjoy all those things. And please, please continue to do that. And as always, let's hope the Blazers continue winning, make some moves, and let's go Rip City. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.